that show today and we will your health benefits or i want you to introduce yourself i want to introduce you to the audience and i went to the biohacker summit and there was one guy lifting women at his back and then an hour later i saw a guy having a keynote on, on without his shirt so i had to ask you from the audience what levels of testosterone you have to have to perform such a performance. That is my introduction to Joe, Joe Cohen today. But please, could you introduce yourself? Who is Joe Cohen? Yeah, very valid questions. Someone who had a fair bit of health problems growing up that weren't formally treatable. And I just figured that I needed to take a first principles approach to the body and figure out how the body worked and then also figure out how those how the environment and supplements and different things interacted, which naturally led me to supplements, but also led me to thinking that there needs to be an individual approach to this because it seemed like everybody had different effects from different things. And so I really figured that we needed to understand people individually, not just generically. And that's what got me into genetics and lab tests, things that can differentiate us empirically rather than, you know, somebody, some new guru comes along and says, this is the diet and it works for everybody, you know that that person's selling, selling snake oil because everybody has different genes and everybody responds differently. If there was really one thing that worked for everybody, then everybody would be doing it. Generally, it's the case that different things work for different people. And I think it's important that people understand their genetics now. Genetics is very complex. And that's what my mission is to help simplify it. And But Precision Health is my mission. And Self-Decode is an application that allows people to use their DNA, their lab test, their environment, but mainly the, the main focus is on the DNA to upgrade their health. And, you know, I'm, I'm there, there's a lot of companies that say they do DNA analysis, but actually we looked into it and they don't actually do it in a scientifically legitimate way. It's, you know, it's very old school and that stuff, it's kind of like, you know, ancient history, whereas there's much more cutting edge ways. And that's what we focus on in self-decode. Interesting path, I believe, especially because I think a lot of people suffer from a lot of health issues and they are looking for ways to improve them. And I think it's interesting how I how you got from your own complications to DNA. I mean, that's quite a gap. Pretty clear early on that something that I noticed was that, uh, again, you had people saying that this thing worked for everybody, this diet or this supplement or whatever. And then I would do the diet and do the supplement. And it was clear that it didn't work for me in the same way that it worked for this other person. And I would... I also did a lot of con consulting and I also realized the same thing. You know, you the, the same protocol will work very differently for different people. So it's very clear that there's a need for personalized approach. And if you look at anyone's lab test, you see very different results too, right? They could be eating the same diet. Sometimes it could be very different results. In most people, LDL cholesterol shoots up on a keto diet, but not in everybody. I'm one of those people that does shoot up. Uh, and it's just empirically validated. I mean, you know, I, I've seen enough people now to realize that that happens. And, uh, you know, but why doesn't it 
do it for everybody. It's there, people have different genetic predispositions. And that's very clear that there needs to be a individual approach to healthcare. I totally agree. When you do a test at self-decode, what kind of markers do you get back to improve? Right. So there's two things to look for in a D, I mean, two general concepts. There's quality and quantity, right? And I would also say that there's recommendations as well. So when you look at the DNA companies that are on the market, they suffer in quality for the main reason that it's hard for consumers to understand what is good and what isn't, right? And so they typically will think about it. You can start a DNA company and, you know, hire some random dude on the internet, tell them to search up some snips on PubMed and, you know, and, and, and put something down and uh, build an app in a pretty quick amount of time. That's you know, that's kind of what I did in, in the first version of Self-Decode in 2016. And then you learn more and you realize, well, this is not so legitimate, right? And so I always said we, we need to build, you know, the most cutting edge stuff out there. But it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's, it takes a lot of information for the consumer to understand what is legitimate and what's not. And companies prefer to typically just look at very few variants and Things that are not predictive at all, more or less, or very, very little predictive. So there's the quality in, in predictions, and that's what is very poor among the whole industry. 23andMe is okay with that. It's just that they don't really focus on health much, the, the stuff that people really care about. And so, and they don't have the most cutting edge algorithms, but they get around that through having a lot of data. But... You know, when you look at the, the, the market, people really are taking a very simplified approach. And even the teachers of genetics often don't know what they're talking about uh, because they're, 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 it's very easy to say, like, okay, if you have this variant, then it means this. If you have this variant and, and this is what you need to know and this is the prediction, it doesn't actually work like that in the body because you have 100 million variants all doing things and you focus on one. So the, Genetics is where you really need something like AI and you need to take in a lot of data and use all the data, all the variants, not just a, a you know, 5, 10, 20, 100. And so, but that actually requires spending a lot of money and hiring some serious talent. And so companies don't do that, which is why I say that the, when you look out in the field, the quality of these predictions are junk. Now there's the quantity, which is also something that you're interested in. People learn quite a large amount of information from your genetics. And so there's quite a lot to learn. And, and I think that the, you know, a comprehensiveness is also valuable. And we're, we're at Self-Decode, we're quite comprehensive. We have 350 very comprehensive reports and all of them also have recommendations and personalized recommendations. And so that's stuff that's good. And, and the other thing that we do is we also add lab tests to it as well. So you can see whenever there's a risk for something, you could see what kind of lab tests you could get to see if you actually, that issue is significant in your body or not. So that's kind of the basics of genetics. If somebody's thinking about getting a genetic test, you know, there's a lot of confusion of what to look for. And basically it's very easy to market a test and just say, we're the best. But you have to look at how many variants companies test. And there's some companies that are actually a little deceitful about this. They, they 
say that they're testing, you know, 20 trillion, you know, data points, but it's actually they're they're looking at like you have to look at how many variants that a company is actually using in their analysis, in which case it's just that that, that company that talks about 20 trillion data points is actually only using 80 variants. So it, companies can disguise how they're doing things. Again, it's it's much easier to trick the consumer, but we're building things that actually we want to get into the mainstream healthcare market and it's harder to trick you know we're also publishing papers on on all the things that we're doing so it's harder to trick uh, genomic scientists and hospitals and a lot of you know diagnostic creating diagnostic tests regulatory authorities so that's something that important when looking at tests how many variants a company's actually using in the analysis now with that Aside, one thing that is also, I think, is important is for every recommendation that a company does, and I've seen this, there needs to be references because it's very easy to just say, well, you have this SNP, then do this. Very little of that is backed up. You have to actually look at where are the references for these statements because most of the time it's just made up by these companies. Somebody's theory that says, you know, I think this but it's very important to have references. So that's kind of the basics of how do you choose a genetic program or you know what 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 you, what to look for. I also think that you could you know I think that that's some of the easiest kind of things to look for. And in terms of what it could tell you, I think the easiest way is for me to go through I could go through the results if 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 you're interested just to it, should I do a screen share or Yes, please. So, for example, there's a whole bunch of areas here, uh, but mm -hmm. this is, for example, there's health reports, disease reports, traits, biohacker reports, and there's blogs. There's 650 blogs, personalized blogs, that is. But these are examples. If I were to, I'll just go through some of these summary reports just to understand the, the topics. You have, uh, there's an introductory report, diet, nutrition, fitness, fatigue, hormone health, brain health, metabolic health. Skin and beauty, cardiovascular, pain, gut health, kidneys and urinary tract, bones, joints and muscles, immunity and inflammation, sexual and reproductive health, respiratory health, and sleep. Those are some summary reports where we combine a whole bunch of reports into like a nice summary. And so people can look at those individual reports. I could, for example, I could look at like which report are you would you be interested in here, for example? Did you see any topics? Metabolic health this would be of my interest. Okay. Okay. So metabolic health. Okay. So number one is we give recommendations. So there's always top 50 recommendations. Some of the basic ones, things like exercise are always going to come up in the top 10 just because exercise is always going to be one of the top 10 recommendations for any kind of chronic issue just based on the evidence and based on the number of genes that it, it changes in the expression. So, uh, but things like that, you could see like metabolic health. There's a whole bunch of, you could go to 50 recommendations here and see exactly what what are the possibilities. Uh, and all these recommendations have references that are attached to them. So you could always look at where it's coming from. But in any case, this is kind of like a, you know, just if you want the recommendations, you could then go into it from here. For example, weight control, you could see less likely to be overweight, right? And 
you can click on any of these and it'll tell you. So I'm in the fourth percentile and being overweight. And I actually never was overweight. And I don't think I have any of those predispositions. So, you know, and lower metabolic rate. I, I think for me, higher visceral fat. So I've actually done tests and for the, the you know, I, I've done a DEXA scan and my visceral fat came out as good, but probably higher than would have been predicted based on my lean muscle mass and other factors. So these kinds of are, are all accurate for me in terms of my predispositions. But the more important thing is that every them, every one of them has recommendations, personalized recommendations. And you could see that blood sugar control here. I'm pretty typical when it comes to these things. Although I don't have a tendency to low blood sugar. Thyroid health comes out as pretty typical. And same here. Now, so, I mean, I don't really have any significant metabolic problems. I've always been thin. And again, the only thing that I've tested, my visceral fat was, it was still quite in the healthy range, but higher than would have been expected. And that's because of a genetic predisposition and there's recommendations there. So that's obviously going to be different. You could see a recent study indicated that only one in eight people in the U.S. have optimal metabolic health. It's probably even less, right? But that's what there is a reference for. And again, each one of these things go to a whole comprehensive report. For example, you know, you could, so it goes here, but you could view the whole report here. So each of them goes out to a, a very, very comprehensive report. And you could see here. It looks very com comprehensive and thorough. Yeah, and, and you could see for every report, this, for example, this report contains 521 references. If I go to any reference randomly, you're going to see it, it goes to PubMed. It doesn't go to, you know, it's all published, you know, peer-reviewed stuff. And you could see here it's got 50 recommendations. And a lot of them have these gene-specific personalized to your genes here. So, for example, limiting my calorie intake has helps me more because I have this uncoupling protein gene and people with the gene lose more weight on a low calorie diet and things of that nature. You can have specific genes that make you do better or worse on specific diets or, or specific approaches. So you could also download any, any PDF and through any of the reports. And so that's kind of really, it, it allows you, we have a whole recommendation system where you can type in any kind of recommendation and also see how it corresponds with your genes. So, for example, Interesting. and so when you yeah. when you get a report like this, where does one start? I mean, even with a lot of comprehensive data, and you can still look at it and it looks very clean all the data. But where does one start? So when you go when you start, it takes you to the dashboard, and First of all, you can search for any of 100 million variants, 83 million variants, genes, health conditions. You could search for anything you want here. So you kind of start here. If you know what you're looking for, you can search for it. And, you know, so when you do a test with us, you get all 83 million variants that you could search for. And it's a start here. So you could, you know, the first thing we recommend is looking at an introductory report, seeing like the main reports that we recommend there. You could go next and it asks you, I've already filled it in, but it asks you what topics you're interested in. For me, it's brain health. You look at that report and it also, it'll, it'll tell, it'll tell you like which 
specific things that you need to look into. And so for me, it's saying pay attention to these higher levels of homocysteine. My homocysteine does tend to be higher. I do much better with more vitamin K and zinc and my ApoB tends to be higher. And like all these things are are pretty accurate for me, actually. Gut inflammation. So, you know, you, you start with your genetic predispositions. Not all, not every genetic predisposition you're going to have, especially if you eat healthy and you're doing well. So that's the first state, place to start. You look at these summary reports and from there, it just gives you the recommendations, right? And then you want to go, you know, you look at the introductory, the summary report, and then you look at the, the report that you're most interested in and you get the recommendations that are suited for you. And that is how you start, right? And then if you want to go deeper down, look at different summary reports, you want to look at, you see, so I pick brain. It says, you know, chronically low mood. That is, that is what I'm susceptible to. That's, that's the highest genetic risk here. And it also, I filled in some lifestyle questionnaires. So it says what I have a higher lifestyle risk for. Also, depression is not that low ADHD. And so, you know, this is kind of, you could go into that more, but the first step is looking at an introductory and report. We ask you what topics you're interested in, and we bring you to that report that you're most interested in. We selected a summary report for you based on your interest in brain, right? But then you mm -hmm. can look at, you know, more details and different reports and see based on your body. We have a genetic avatar for you. If you want to book a health professional, you can do that. If you want to go down deeper into the individual blog posts, you can do that. But basically there's, you know, you could go down a rabbit hole if you want here, but uh, we kind of like, there's a few main things to start with. You have an introductory report and then you have a report based on your interest, and we give you the recommendations for those. You know, as you go on, you could upload lab tests, which is what I do, right? So you actually ask me, you could look at recommendations if you ever say, okay, how do I do with curcumin? You can type curcumin into the recommendations feature here, and it shows you what are all the lab risks and genetic risks that curcumin helps with, right? So Gut for me, I have a high genetic risk for gut inflammation, low mood, visceral fat, and lower BDNF. And then I also have high lipoprotein A and high fasting glucose. So curcumin is going to help with all these things. This is not a generic list of things. This is things that are I'm actually either have a lab for or I have a genetic predisposition for. In my case, all of these things are actually relevant, meaning they've They've been expressing, because this is how I got into the whole field, is through gut inflammation, mood, like having a low mood. And I would say that visceral fat wasn't how I got into it, but it, it was something that came up on a lab test. And, and BDNF, I do very well with things that increase BDNF. So overall, it's quite accurate for me here. And, you know, and, and when you take any supplement or it could also search for foods, it's quite good to look at you know, look through a recommendation or look at a a given topic like brain and, and take the best recommendations there based on the gene. So it's it's a recommendation engine as well as, and again, it's looking at things based on your you personally rather than some generic recommendations. And then you asked me about my testosterone. So this <laughs> yes. is me, you know, tracking my testosterone. You could see mm -hmm. that, Did you, also you know, elaborate on the a different type. 
types of testosterone? Sure, definitely. Not all so of them, but why they matter. Yeah. So testosterone you see is 723 here. This was, I was in, I was doing a lot for my health at this point. And I was actually in a good spot, even though soon after my health took a crash. But in this particular point in time, I was pretty decent. And, you know, and, and I was obviously younger as well, right? This is 13 years ago, right? 13 years ago. So testosterone is 723. And you could see there's a slow and steady decline in my testosterone. Even as I'm eating more meat, which technically your testosterone should theoretically go up, you could see this slow and steady decline. At a certain point, I just said, what the hell is going on here? Why is my testosterone going down to the shitter? Uh, it w was going to 461. And I basically, you know, started to care more about it. And then, then there was COVID, and, and I'm pretty sure my testosterone was pretty down there too. But then I decided at some point that, like, I wanted to, you know, I've have, I have all these tools at my disposal, and I was kind of just very, very focused on work, like building these tools for everyone. I'm like, why am I not utilizing this? And I just, you know, started taking care of my health more. But I was, I was spending all day on my health here, right? And my testosterone was, like, literally, I didn't have a job here, and I was like, just 723 and and I was 13 years younger and then you could see here as I knew more what to do my testosterone just started shooting up right you could see and this is not a fluke because I've tested it one two three four five times right and every single time it's over 938 so the lowest was 938 and this is 13 years later so these are not obviously you know, there's a lot of things that I'm doing here that are beneficial. This case, yeah. So tested it quite a lot. I was testing it here again just to see what happened. Uh, I, I caught some bugs. I wanted to see how much it, it changed as a result. Didn't seem like it was a big change. Now, you asked about the difference between the... Now, what's important is actually the free testosterone. Now, a lot of them are calculated. The ones in the U.S., like the this the they're calculated testosterone. And really, so this actually shouldn't be calculated here. Let's see. But essentially, oh, here. Okay. So the, the calculated testosterone is something that they estimate. So that's not really what you want to look at. This is, you know, uh, I'm going to archive this. But essentially, this is, these are tests done by Quest. And you could see that my free calculated testosterone here was quite low, like, it was pretty much at the end of, it was the low end of that spectrum, even, yeah, so it, it was pretty low. Then, uh, this date is actually wrong. This is, I, I tested this in, it was like 2014 or something like that, or 2015, I think. But essentially, it was low for quite a while, right? And basically, if we see here, what you, I mean, the most, the best test is the free testosterone, the direct free testosterone. And so I had a couple of those tests. You see, in May 2018, I had 7.44. And I took the test in February 22, 2023, which is a month ago. And it went from 7.4 to 84, which, if we do the numbers, it went up by 11.3 times. Is there also such a thing as a too high of a testosterone level? Possibly. 
that's the thing is that I think I got it too high. So people are, I mean, everybody, this is the body, every bodybuilder's dream, you know, to get their testosterone level to this. But, you know, my goal isn't to be a bodybuilder. It's to have more longevity. The thing is, is that I took a test on after I archived it. I have to, on the 27th of February, it's still, it was still 37 in general, yeah, I mean, there is such a thing as too high, but I think everybody else's is too low, right? These kind of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, the the research is mainly done on, on these ranges, so that's why we have them. And there's kind of some, you know, there's a trade-off. That's why, I don't, you know, it's it's not clear that just having higher is always better, but, you know, it depends on what you're trying to do. But, you know, you could clearly see it went from, like, here, 2018, uh, that's not too long ago, right? five years ago, not even. And, you know, it's just basically like, as I got better information, better tools, right? It just is just shooting up out of control, right? Which is a good thing because it's always easier to to take it back down. I could just stop doing a few things, right? It's not, that's not the problem. You know, I was kind of just seeing how how high I can get it (laughs) without like, obviously without (laughs) taking any steroids or anything like that. Any unnatural stuff. <laughs> Interesting to see that with more knowledge of the body data uh, that you can improve so much and such extensive levels, if I might say. Yeah. What I find interesting is when you receive such data is that lifestyle is such an important factor. And I'm wondering if you could, maybe we should do a top five of what are the five lifestyle factors that you think that would impact the most on the data you present presented here for testosterone yeah maybe in general for for health well for general health i mean i i think there's a couple basic ones sleep exercise and sunlight i would say are pretty basic those i think are the most basic sleep exercise and sunlight obviously they are and i saw at the results you just showed that i'm not sure if you if the, if it was recommended or that you should not do it, the diet of the plant-based diet, does that mean that not everybody should eat plant-based or animal-based? Yeah, I mean, the diets are very different. Everybody, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all with diet. I think that some people, now I don't think anyone does, on the extremes, you know, the extremes are like only plants or only meat. That is going to be very rare that anybody does well eating only plants or only meat, right? But as you get to more of a omnivorous diet, right, exactly, you know, that's going to be, I would say, now omnivorous diet is going to be what most people do well with. Not, you know, not too many grains, having some meat, some chicken, some fish. Like a Mediterranean diet is kind of like an average diet. If you take the extremes of like a a vegan diet, and a carnivore diet, you put them together, you get something like a Mediterranean diet, which is kind of, you know, kind of the uh, middle of the bell curve where uh, there's going to be a lot of people doing well. Now, there's a lot of people that fall, that don't fall in the middle of the bell curve, right? And I'm one of them. And for me, I would say that, I mean, like, if we look at, if we want to look at some of the diet things that come up for me, uh, I'll give you an example, because it's important to important to see this so just going to share it again so if we want to click on let's see so we we can actually let's see gut health diet nutrition Uh, either we could look at the summary report or we could look at just some of these things here 
but I'll give you some examples of the things that come up. Now, vitamin K, I need more of. Zinc, I need more of. There's no question about it. And you can even look at my lab tests. Like, if we look at zinc here, you could see May 2018. This is when I'm eating like a carnivore diet. So all meat, my zinc is pretty damn low, 57, which doesn't make sense. Then I start taking supplements, and you could see it goes into 90, and I kind of just like continue, and it goes into 206. And then I got to like, you know, then I'm like, okay, chill out here. And so that's kind of why you have to test, because I was definitely getting quite a lot of zinc even here, yet I was still deficient. That's kind of where the genetic predispositions come in. So increased need for zinc, and we can look at vitamin K as well. So... Here, I think I was taking vitamin K supplements, and I kind of calmed down. You could see now it, it, it was going lower, and then I started taking a little more. Then I, this is when I took a lot. I wanted to see what happened, so I took quite a lot the day before. It was like 45,000 micrograms. I, I see you megadose a lot. Would you recommend megadosing only when you do tests like this, or do you also do it intuitively? Both, but I think if you're doing, I don't recommend people megadose. I, you really have to know what you're doing. It's kind of like a professional, like, you know, it's kind of like an elite athlete. Like, I don't recommend people do marathons, but, you know, there's people doing marathons. Like, if you're doing a marathon, then that means that you, you know what you're doing, right? So I don't recommend people megadosing. I do it because I know what I'm doing and I'm, I'm okay with a little higher risk. But also, I make sure to check. So you see, like, how many tests I've done here, when I, the, like, when I'm doing a lot of experiments. This is just on vitamin K. I did three tests here in the past six months. So, you know, you, you, you do have to, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, when I'm doing these experiments, I am checking to make sure things are not out of whack. But I'm, I'm just trying to show that, you know, no, not taking, and again, I was even taking vitamin K here be honest. So when I was taking it, October, I was taking like 100 micrograms of vitamin K7 every day, and I was eating a lot of vegetables. So even with all that stuff, I was pretty, like I was still on the, the lower end of the spectrum. And then I, I upped my dosage. So you could see it went up. And then I, I decided, okay, let me see what happens if I take like, you know, a lot. And and then so I, that's where I got here. But I kind of know that uh, what my what a good dosage for me is. Here, I am allergic to eggs. So that's, that's it's, it's more likely. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allergic. To, I'm definitely sensitive to peanuts. So I don't do well with them. I wouldn't be surprised if it was an allergy or whatnot. But high blood pressure is something that I have had once in the past. But again, if you're eating very healthy, it's not going to show up. Uh, it's, it is a lifestyle-based thing. So eating disorders, I don't think I have any eating disorders, but again, this is, you know, one of the things that, you know, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, it's, it, it could be a predisposition, but it doesn't show up for a bunch of other reasons. Uh, again, it's, it's also pretty rare for males. So one in 200, but you know, so even if I'm an increased risk and I'm 5%, whatever, it doesn't, it's, it's probably, it's still minority a chance that it'll ever show up, but you see here, increased need for riboflavin, folate, and I do well with these. I supplement Higher alcohol sensitivity, this is definitely true. And dairy, casein, so dairy sensitivity. So I have to keep in mind these sensitivities here. The other nutrients seem to be pretty, you know, and then there's, I don't have histamine intolerance. There's also some biohacking reports in this area that we could look at. So 
I put lectin sensitivity here. Gluten sense is non-celiac gluten sensitivity. The reason that they're here is because there's less, less evidence, increased need for iodine. There's just either less evidence or it's more obscure, but essentially you could see in the genetics that there's, I do notice that I have more sensitivity to BPA. Interesting that I've got shorter telomere length predisposition, kind of a, you know, oxalate sensitivity. There's kind of a whole bunch of things that are quite interesting that you can figure out. Dopamine, uh, the D, I do well with DRD2 receptor agonists, so things that activate that receptor. And uh, so, yeah, you can get an idea of, like, for me, what it comes out here is the bottom line is I don't do well with alcohol. I don't do well, like, even more than the general population. I don't do well with gluten, dairy, you know, uh, and then there's certain nutrients that I need more of. And so if you put that together, I don't do well with lectins here. So if you put all that together, it turns out that the the diets that are, you know, I could use more iodine. And so the diets that are more relevant to this are going to have more meat. And so I do better with an all-meat diet. However, my ApoB, I do have a predisposition for high ApoB, as you saw that before. And my ApoB does go up when I eat more meat. So that is one of the negatives that I have to kind of counteract. And that's kind of where, you know, when it comes to diet, you know, people think of it as like, okay, you know, this is a diet that's just you know, this is this diet's best for everyone. There's no negatives, right? If you ever see like a proponent of a diet, you're going to be like, they'll be like, okay, you know, the, this diet is, you know, let's say a carnivore diet. You know, anyone who says anything bad or like, oh, I, I got some issue on a carnivore diet or no, it's just, you know, it's not really an issue. You know, they're going to, they're going to talk it away. But the fact is, is that ApoB does go up like for some people when you're eating a uh, a lot of meat and for me i'm one of those people so how do you balance that, that? so if you have like 90 percent benefits of an animal-based diet but how do you react to those to that 10 percent? how do you make sure that the, those 10 percent does not hurt you too much yeah so i would say that you know an animal-based diet for me is 80 per, like there's more improvements on it than negatives right? By far. My, my HSCRP goes down. My, you know, I, I'm, I, I feel better. I get more zinc. Like, you know, overall, I would say, you know, just obviously I'm not, I'm, I'm having, I'm having way less inflammation, things like that. You have to, I mean, so you have to pick a diet that is best suited for you. And then once you're on that diet, you say, how do I minimize the negatives? And for me, the negatives is increased ApoB which will increase the risk of atherosclerosis. And so for me, you know, also higher levels of homocysteine, more meat actually is good for this, more methionine, more glycine that you get, right? So animal-based diets could help there, you know, and, and you see the higher levels of ApoB. What's my, what's my, what's my percentile? We don't have a percentile for this one, but it says we looked at, 6,389 variants, okay? But essentially, you could see here some factors that may lead to high ApoB, high sugar foods, diets high in saturated fats and cholesterol. So saturated fats does spike my ApoB and smoking. Like, I don't really do the other things here. So it's really the only thing that, and, and I've tested it pretty thoroughly, it's the saturated fat that, that spikes it from, yeah, 
it's it's pretty reliable. The, the in my case, it's not the thyroid, it's not any kind of liver. Like there's no there's there's no issues there. It's just there's genetic predisposition, and if I eat saturated fat, my ApoB spikes up, and ApoB is causal for cardiovascular disease. So atherosclerosis, you know, so that's something that you want to you know is also associated with an increased risk in heart disease, diabetes, cancer. It is something you don't want it to be too high, but I, I test it. So number one is, I think, apolipoprotein B. So yeah, you could see here, it's always been high. I mean, from 2019, I was already eating a lot of animal-based, like it was pretty much carnivore diet, 2019. And I still eat a lot of animal-based foods. You could see it got down to 98 here, which normally it's higher. I know what did it. So I was eating, I think I'm pretty sure it's nutritional yeast got this down. So I was eating a lot more fiber and it got it down. And then I stopped the nutritional yeast or brewer's yeast and it went went up quite a lot here. I was also eating a lot of it in 2019 and then it started to come down. But in this case, you have to test, right? I, I think for me, it there's a lot of things that are supposed to bring it down. But for me, the, the saturated fat increases it so much that it's kind of like almost resistance to a, a, to a lot of things. And so I'm still working on getting it down to optimal. But if I can't get it down, I'm going to resort to drugs like a statin or a, now the statins I got some side effects from. So it's probably going to it would be a PCS9K inhibitor, which actually I didn't get any side effects from. So basically, you know, I recommend. Yeah, I recommend people try to do things naturally that's the only thing that if i resort to that i'm still trying to see if i could get it down with consuming more fiber and maybe a little less animal fats so like more olive oil trying to see if i could do that if i if i can't do it by the next test i'm just going to go with the pcs 9k inhibitor wow this was really comprehensive. Looking at the time, we I think it's good to wrap it up. Is there something you want to give to the listener? Some any advice when it comes to health in that exploration? Because it's data, but it is also ex exploring. So, is there any advice you want to give to the listener? Yeah, I think just I, I think if you really want to improve your health, then I think you need to go on. You you need to look at individual approaches. And by the way, a lot of if, if we go on the ApoB, there's a lot of recommendations that bring it down, but a lot of them have to do with like things that I don't do well with. For example, you know, like let's say soy, garlic, flaxseed, nuts, you know, and then like a, a plant-based diet is is one way to get it down, but I'm not doing that, right? So you know, and and the rest of them, I kind of, I mean, there's a few things that I still want to introduce, but essentially, you know, you have to. You can't just trust what other people say because, you know, every, everybody's body works differently and you have to take control of your health and, and look at what your body, how your body feels from different things, right? There's no, there's definitely no one size fits all. And so I think that's the most important thing that I've learned. And, uh, you know, and, and I think we're in an inflection point where the, everybody's has so much disease, like everybody I meet has so many health problems. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Testosterone think, uh, levels are in the dumps, you know, just, yeah. I even just got a sperm test and just to see what was going on there. And uh, the results were like, this person checked many thousands of sperm results 
and mine was double the next highest, right? <laughs> and it's like, and I didn't think I was, I didn't even think it was going to be that high. I was just like, okay. And then, but you, it's kind of like what's should be the case with testosterone, sperm results, muscle mass, VO2 max. Like I, I'm doing a lot of these tests and it turns out like I'm just way significantly above you know anything like I'm I'm significantly above anything these people seen with when they're doing these tests and it's like you know I don't think I'm the healthiest person right it's like I I still do unhealthy things quite a lot actually but because I know what what works for me right like I can I know where my weak points are and that's the important thing. I test, I, I look at my genetics, I do experiments. Now, I don't think people should do megadosing experiments like I do, but I'm, I, I think, you know, understanding your body, you can really, you know, take your mind, your mood, your brain, everything to the next level, your body. You know, I, I don't think having a six pack should be like, you know, a, a, a thing. Everybody should have a six pack, right? If you don't have a six pack, then it's like, hey, what are you doing, right? So it's if you're just looking at body fat percentages, or or brain function, or energy levels, or you know any kind of these things that that are important for the modern world, you know people are just like, it's an anomaly to have energy all day, right? It's an anomaly, you know. Most people have problems going to sleep or staying asleep, or it's just kind of like. These were, I've had so many problems that I, you know, just fixed one at a time. Boom, 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 boom. And and people, I see people really struggling with like one issue their whole life and then they keep on having more and it just builds up and, you know, they get a heart attack when they're 70 or 65. Just like all this crazy stuff. They get dementia, Alzheimer's. All this stuff is preventable. I think people, you know, people have a lot of mental health issues. It's just there's an epidemic going on and like all these different issues. And I think the takeaway is that people can take control of their health. You know, I, I, I didn't have good genes. I had a lot of genetic weaknesses. It's like every test I do is like, Oh, inflammation levels really low. Like I had very high levels of inflammation, right? VO2 max is extremely high. You know, testosterone levels, very high sperm count, extremely high. Like, if you look at all these results, it's like, oh, boom, boom, boom. The only one that I need to work on is my ApoB, and I'm working on it, right? But I know what it is. I know how to do it. And, and you know, I'm trying to do it naturally, and I think I can. If I can, I'll take a PCSK9 inhibitor. Exactly. You know what to do. And that is what this podcast is about. So that I think the self-decode test fits perfectly into that story is to deconstruct your problem and your goal and to have a personal and to work your way up. And I think that self-decode is a perfect way to help with your journey. What, where can we find you, Joe? On Instagram, I'm Mr. Biohacker, Mar Biohacker, and they could go to self-decode. They can try out the product. There, yeah, it's, there's tons of reports and tons of information. And I think that, you know, everybody needs like a smart companion to make sense of their health life. I think that's a beautiful message. And there was a beautiful overview of what self-decode can do for us all. So I highly recommend doing it. I will do it myself in the near future. And I want to thank you for your time, Joe. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great day.